Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to another installment of Take It to the Mat with JP and Pat. He's Pat, and I'm JP, and this is our NCAA Division I Wrestling Championship wrap-up. What a tournament we had in St. Louis last weekend, and we're going to be talking all about it. No ACLs, no stopwatches, and no problem for Gable Stevenson. Pat's favorite wrestler. So we will go ahead and start out at 125 pounds. Just go in right off the bat. Let's just go ahead, Pat, and talk about 125. And, um, I mean, the finals, just going straight to the finals, it's kind of like, wow. It's like Lee is doesn't want to wrestle. It just seems like he's not moving at all. And he is really showing of, of what the Iowa Hawkeyes were doing in the finals, and that's pretty much not being aggressive. Because then we'll talk about the other two Hawkeyes that were in the finals, of course. But man, Spencer Lee come in the finals and just not, not being the aggressive person he is. And then cats out of the bag. He tells everyone he doesn't have any ACLs. So that makes it that much more miraculous of what who Spencer Lee is. Um, your take on the whole no ACL thing? Well, there were whispers about it before the tournament had even started. Right after the Big Ten Championships, you can see. If you, if you go back and watch it, you can see as Lee is walking back, he kind of mouths to Brands, uh, my knee. Like he just mouths my knee to it. So you could kind of tell he started the tournament with a sleeve on his right knee, which he's never done as far as I can tell. So you, those that kind of us nerds kind of knew something was up. And you could tell, you can make an argument first, his first match on Thursday morning Looked okay. He got a tech phone in a minute and change. Um, but that next match, um, something was off. He was taken down twice, I believe. Um, but Lee is a mutant. Um, yeah. He, I, I think, I said it before the tournament, and I'll say it afterwards. I think he may go down as one of, if not the greatest collegiate wrestler of all time. These are conversations we can have maybe during the off season and once his career is over. Um, was off by one point from from having a major tech or pinfall over every single person. Bonus point victory the entire season, which has never been done to the best of my knowledge. Um, but my hat's off to him. It's an insane accomplishment. He has more guts than in his pinky toe than I have in my entire body. What he did, what he sacrificed, not just his body, but... But throughout this season and choosing to wrestle, now he could have easily redshirted this season, and and even there arguably had a national championship in the bag even without Lee wrestling. But that ended up not, not being the case. But there were guys: Michich didn't wrestle, um, Vito didn't wrestle, Yanni didn't wrestle, and Lee would have been very very justified if he had not wrestled. Um, he put the team above himself. Um, put his body on the line and suffered it. And despite tearing his ACL and going in unbeknownst to us, um, not having repaired his other ACL, um, would win that national championship. And kind of maybe internally exercising some of those demons from not being able to win a championship when he was in high school. Um, on <laughs> I think it was his knee. I think it was an ACL um, when he was in high school. I don't know yeah, what it I was. Think it was. So, yeah. so even proving to himself, whatever you want to say, um, he's the class of the tournament, despite Penn State winning four national champions, what everybody's talking about today and the day after and the night of was Spencer Lee. 
what do, what's your take about the way Spencer Lee handled the situation? I don't know what to think of it. I really don't know what to think of it because he did not want to. He did not want to say. He broke down. He he broke down and was upset. He had a grimace on his face after he won. He knew what he gave up when he decided to wrestle. He the Olympics is out of the question. I hate to say it, but especially an Olympic gold is out of the question now. Um, and I think that winning that championship and that surreal moment where it was like, I, the wrestlers, the greats, have that mindset where it's the next match, next match, next match. And when he stepped off the mat winning and knowing that he could have blown all these guys out of the water, he arguably could have pinned his way all the way through this. And knowing the fight that he had to put up, he was being brutally honest with everybody. And even saying, this is the hardest tournament I've ever been in. These are the hardest matches I've ever wrestled in. He was telling the God honest truth because he had to go in deep and wrestle an unspencer Lee type of wrestling match and tournament. And I think it all came to him. You can see Tom trying, trying to pick him up a little bit, or maybe it was Terry. Just And he just looked pissed. And, and I know he was pissed. Like it's that was his dream is to win a gold medal and he put the team above it because he could have injury defaulted as well. He could have injury defaulted out of the national championship and no one would have said anything because it's like, hey, I want to win a gold medal. That's why Yanni Diakmahalas didn't wrestle all season, right? And even Steven Michich, Michigan had a chance to win a team championship. Now it was an outside chance, but if those guys wrestle, if Michich wrestles, He's, he's in the argument for winning a national championship, and he didn't wrestle because he wanted to win a gold medal. Spencer Lee wanted to win a gold medal, but he put that team above everybody else. But my question is, like, how do you think he handled the whole situation? Do I think he handled it correctly? Well, here's the thing. I mean, he even said, he even said, this is my kind of bone to pick with Spencer Lee, is he said that he wanted to keep it under wraps. He wasn't going to say anything about tearing his ACL, but he was told that he should have. And he did. And uh, then he said, I don't want to talk about it. Now, you know what? How do you like that? And essentially, Gary Abbott comes in from USA Wrestling and tells him straight up, Spencer, now that you've mentioned this, you're going to be asked this. It's just point blank. This is a newsworthy story. Media are just going to eat this up like chocolate chip cookies. And it's just going to be something that you're going to have to face the music to. I think if I was Spencer Lee and the way that he handled it with the media saying like, oh, by the way, I'm not going to make any excuses. And and rightfully so. I don't think he's a guy that makes excuses. But he brings up and says, I tore my ACLs, but I didn't want to say anything about it. But you did say something about it. Leave it to Tom and Terry Brands to say something about it. And if you didn't want to make a big deal of it. But the next thing you know... He says it, and now the media keep on asking him, and he doesn't like it. Well, you're the one who said it. Is he the best wrestler in NCAA right now? Yes, he is, without a doubt. I mean, as much as I like to say Gable Stevenson is your Hodge tro trophy winner, I can't say that because I really just think Spencer Lee of what he's done, what he what he shows, and what he conceptualizes wrestling as. I mean, he is, yeah, he's definitely your Hodge guy, but I just don't know what I feel about him handling the whole ACL tear situation. Is it what, badass that he did that? Absolutely. But I think he should have just had Tom or Terry say it. Well, they, they would have never, it's not up to them to say that's it's, and I don't think they can say something 
Or I don't think they wanted to, period. It is not. It does not behoove Spencer Lee to have his opponents know that he tore both ACLs. I think it was a moment of frustration. I think he was frustrated that he was alone winning a national championship. Um, I think he was frustrated that he couldn't go out and blow these dudes out of the water. Like I said, this this was his year. Um, but I, I get what you're... I, I get kind of what you're insinuating that he's saying that that wusses make excuses, but then kind of told the world that he had an excuse. Is that what you're saying? Essentially, yeah. I mean, he's trying to handle it in the best way possible by knowing, like, hey, I don't want to make, make make excuses. It was tough. I grinded it out, and absolutely. I mean, he's an Iowa Hawkeye. He's going to be grinding it out completely and doing the best as he can. Oh, by the way, though, this isn't an excuse, but I tore my ACL. But he I don't didn't. Want he was. He wasn't making an excuse ahead of time. Of he course was, not. He was asked. He, wasn't. he was asked a question, and answered it honestly. And it wasn't. Yeah. I, I don't think. That's a good way of put put putting it, Pat. He, he, he was. Answered, he he was, answered it honestly, yes. but then from that point on, he says, "I don't want to talk about it now." Well, I wouldn't either. He's so, he's so frustrated. Again, he lost his and. and he could, if anyone can do it, Spencer Lee can do it. But you better believe those guys are going to be literally going after his knees and trying to take his legs out from underneath yeah. him. Oh, jeez. Um, Leg laces? Oh, yes. my gosh. Yes. You no, can't, he I can't just... defend it. Yeah, exactly. Because that's, yes, you can wrestle with your ACL, but it's a stabilizer. You can't. It, it's it's gone, especially now that it's out there. But anyone worth their salt knew that there was something up. Like I said, oh, going yeah. into the Big yeah. Ten, or coming out of the Big Tens, you could tell something was wrong, right? And if you couldn't, yeah, you could tell by his um, it would be quarterfinals match, you knew something was up. Um, and so, so yes, there was frustration. But yeah, he, he answered the question. I don't think he was trying to say, woe is me. I, I know that's not what he was doing. I don't I think, think he was either. I think I it was just, this is it. I'm frustrated. And he can't take it. The cat's out of the bag. But it's like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, this is, he just has to realize that my team. Yeah. He has to realize, though, that the media is going to eat this up, though. Mm-hmm. And he has to realize that he is going to be asked this quite a bit now. And, of course, now you see the millions of memes of saying when LeBron James being out by four, uh, four weeks for a high ankle sprain. and um, But then Spencer Lee goes out and wins an NCAA title with no ACLs. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's something that is just completely ridiculous in our sport where guys can go ahead and just – I think Yanni Diakamahalas won his first national title with, with the torn ACL. So yep, it's did. mind over matter. Mind over, over matter. I just wish Spencer was kind of like, okay, I guess the more I think of it, it's like I don't want to talk about it. It's not an, an, an excuse. And I don't think it is an excuse because he had to explain it just to be, like you said, a Pat, to be the most honest way possible. Yeah. I mean, uh, he didn't flake in in the finals. It was just him not having any a- ACLs. But I just felt a little bit, just a tad, just a little bit of complaining. Dare I say complaining is lack of a better word for it. But um, it's just now that you said it, they're obviously going to ask you about your ACLs. They're actually going to ask you. And you're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, then don't. Then just, I guess there is no other way of pu- putting it. Just, well, just don't say it. But I just, that to me is kind of like, well, you told us. Now you have to face the music and talk about it. So something needed to be said. And you could, again, going back to 
his frustration, and then having the relief of, I'm done. I won my national championship. We won a team national championship. My season's over. Because the first time he could, he was kind of a little walking around gingerly, if you want to put it that way. Sure. But the first time he limped was after winning that national championship. He and probably he let just, it all go. He was just like, I'm done. This has just been so much. I'm sure just mentally grueling um, and and physically, of course. And then he just blurted it out. Like, you know what? You know what? I am injured. There. You know what? Um, Not only do I have a torn ACL, I had never had mine repaired from before. And that's another conversation we can have too. Um, But it's like we never had that fixed either. And so he's just, you know, he's going through it. And the guy is... He is the epitome of what wrestling is, and he, in my mind, even if he doesn't win another national championship, will go down as one of the greatest and, and probably one of my all-time favorites. I know he's my wife's favorite wrestler already. but He is, yeah. I mean, he is, a, is definitely chiseled from granite, and the dude is just, uh, just the epitome of what the absolute wrestler would dream to be. Mm-hmm. It's mind over matter completely. I just am not a huge fan of the way that the whole press conference was handled. But, um, I mean, I guess that was the only way that you can handle nothing to take away from who Spencer Lee is as a person. I guess when you're done with that and, and you're frustrated and you tear your ACLs, you know, the moment that you mention it, now the media is just going to eat it all, all up and he doesn't want to talk about it. Well, you mentioned it. Well, now the media want to know more about it. So that's the difficult I've- thing about uh, I, it's kind of a tangent, but this goes along with, I've always had issues and it's not just wrestling. I, it, it upsets me in football too, when they do it, where they come in, a team's getting beat by 35 points going into half. And then they shove a mic right in the coach's face. And then he gets upset. It was like, well, what did you expect to happen? And it's the same right. when these, these wrestlers are coming off win or lose and you're shoving a mic right in their face and they're, they're flipping and, and the college wrestlers have done a very good job. But you see in UFC all the time where you get these crazy comments or they're cursing up a storm and doing all that stuff. And we got a fair amount of F-bombs <laughs> throughout the yeah. tournament this year. Um, but but I, you, you have no idea how difficult it would be coming off that win or lose. Your adrenaline is through the roof, right? Like it is, it is you are firing on all cylinders. You just emptied out your entire gas tank. You put in more work in seven minutes than, you know, I could ever possibly imagine. And then we expect you to be poignant and classy and all this stuff. And I, so I, I empathize with all these guys, even guys that go off the cuff and say these crazy things to reporters. I, I would probably do the same thing in a lot of these situations. So I get why, you know, he, he wasn't as, I, and I'm sure even if you ask Spencer, are you happy the way it went? It was like, no, I wish I wouldn't have said anything because I have to compete against these bozos in, in two weeks. And now they've got one more arrow in their quiver for, you know, ammunition against me. And they're already, you know, at a pretty high level. So I would bet that Spencer didn't want to let that out. But again, it's hard. That adrenaline's going and, and a hodgepodge of emotions just waving over Spencer at that moment but from the, the glee of winning a team and an individual national championship to the upset of, you know, your Olympic dream is essentially over. And now it's kind of coming to you. We essentially could have a whole episode mm-hmm. taken to the mat with JP and Pat, uh, essentially talking about this 
um, topic of Spencer Lee, but we must move on. Uh, A little bit about 125 before we go is uh, some notable names that have shown up and just really tried their best, and they did their best, I think, is Brody Teske and um, Patrick McKee. And hats off to Taylor Lamont. He made it farther than I thought he was going to, made it to, to the semis. And then Brandon Courtney, of course, showing up like a boss he is in in the finals, having a, a really close match in the semis against Lamont. But uh, the backside wrestler, the guy with the most pins of of attorney, seven and one, seven and one, lost to Sam Latona. Uh, Patrick McKee goes one and one, and then on the backside wins six matches, comes back, including a a uh, controlling win over Brody Teske. It was. Uh, yeah, that was a great match, but McKee had the game plan right off the bat of getting in on that single leg right away as that whistle blew. And he probably looked at the film of Brody Teske that Teske gets down early a lot in his matches. So that was one thing that uh, McKee had to capitalize on. But um, yeah, your other notable wrestlers, Pat, that you liked at 125. Yeah, we kind of, I don't think McKee came out of nowhere. We all, even before the tournament, you and I had our eye on him and talked about that we wouldn't be, <laughs> it, it's right. not outside the realm of possibilities for even him to make it to the finals, but uh, hats off to him. Um, again, Teske, I thought he'd have a little bit better. He was rolling and then got bounced in a sudden victory in the in the semifinals and then kind of kind of slid a bit, little bit, didn't he? Yeah, he was in the blood round. I believe yeah. he was, he was he in the blood beat. round yeah. against McKee, and he got beat. So he was one. He was round of twelve. Yeah, so he real close to being an All American. He'll come back tough, but um, yeah, that's really all I had for the rest of the the one twenty five. At one hundred thirty three pounds, Dayton Fix of Oklahoma State and Roman Bravo Young of Penn State were in the finals. Uh, Oklahoma State and Penn State battle. Um, looking at the rest of the bracket before we talk about the finals match, um, some surprise wrestlers, Pat, that really stuck out to you at one at 133. It went, if I can remember, it went pretty chalk, didn't it? Um, the, the one that really popped out to me and not a surprise by any stretch of the imagination, I think we all kind of figured who the, the one, two, and three were going to be. Um, but DeSanto wrestled very, very well this tournament. He wrestled Fix very well. Um, he did a great job in the third place match. Um, but that's, I, I don't know, I if I'm right, everything kind of went pretty much chalk. Yeah, there wasn't anything. I mean, if you're going to be saying an upset at all, it's, I don't think this is an upset. And we talk more about this later here. But uh, the Seeds just really don't think had any any uh, st- uh, uh, stability in this tournament at all. And we'll talk more about that later. But um, if you call an upset Louis Hayes over uh, Lucas Bird, I don't think it's an upset because Louis Hayes has definitely shown that he can beat some pretty tough kids in the past. But he was the 10 seed and Bird was the 7 seed. Yeah. And uh, Hayes beat him in OT 6-4. And then Roman Bravo Young beat him 4-1. So in the quarters, you had all of your top eight seeds except your seven was replaced by by your 10. So yeah. yeah, everything was pretty much the way it was supposed to be seed uh seating wise. Um looking at anyone that I thought was kind of a disappointment or someone that I thought was actually going to be making some noise was um Mickey Philippi. Mickey Philippi being that fifth seed, I just thought that it him now having Luke Pletcher as a as a sparring partner that he would make some noise, but um 
He didn't. Uh, he uh, made some noise up into the quarters, I I believe, of course, as the fifth seed. But when he came back down, it was uh, wasn't the best. Losing the bird in tiebreaker number one, and he didn't even all American. Philippi fell in the uh, round of twelve, so that right there was a disappointment to itself. I, I was expecting Philippi to be pretty high. Lo- looking at this, I think everyone that DeSanto wrestled lost their next round match. That's a that's a interesting take there. Yeah, yeah. I think because he did. I mean, Philippi did not <laughs> has been wrestling great this season, and it looked good in the tournament. But I'm telling you, DeSanto DeSanto was at peak DeSanto. Um, he wrestled very, very well this tournament. And even, like I said, that fixed match, he wrestled very well. But yeah, I think every single person that DeSanto wrestled lost their next round match. Every guy he beat, every beat, guy he beat, yeah, then yeah. the following round lost, yeah. Um, um, looking at that finals match here. So if I've learned anything about Dayton Fix, I used to be a huge Dayton Fix fan. And uh, seeing the way he wrestles, it just really upsets me. I mean, I was expecting a lot more offense from him. Back in his junior days where he was, he actually beat Spencer Lee in the cadets. So Spencer Lee had to actually opt up to juniors and get a waiver because because of his age. And then he walked through juniors and uh, was a world champ. But then Dayton Fix was the guy at the same weight as Spencer Lee in the cadets. Um, I thought I mean, he was just explosive offense. And I think he's just gone reserve. He's gone reserve quite a bit, and he really, and it showed it big time was when he lost to Suriano in the finals of the NCAA finals a couple of years ago. Is when he, uh, it looked like he was just going to ride it on top, and he was going to be a national champion just riding on top. And believe it or not, they called stalemate when they were smack dab when he had the legs in, and it was like ten or twelve seconds left. I think they called stalling or stalemate, and Suriano had a fresh start, got up, and they went to OT, and then he beat him. So slowing the match down is one thing Dayton Fix does, but Roman Bravo Young is one of these Penn State guys is just he was due to get a national title because he can just be so offensive and he can move and he can get that spurt of excitement and that spurt of energy. And that's what got him that's what got him the win. He got the extra stamina and OT and got a perfect shot on fix. Yeah, and he was both of our picks, right? I I know I picked him, so it wasn't a huge surprise. Um, Just uh, about that match in general, um, I think it set wrestling back another three years. I think we're in the Stone Age by now with all this terrible wrestling that we've been watching. I hate it. Um, I could blame Oklahoma State um, for fix, uh, you know, wrestling on the edge, wrestling in these close matches, but I don't think it's just an Oklahoma State problem. Um, I think it's a systemic problem with the sport of wrestling right now, and we can talk a lot at length about it, um, that that you are rewarded for stalling. Um, they incentivize it. The people that stall the most usually end up winning or at least keep these matches close. We don't reward point scorers, and it showed in these finals. These finals were a bore. Um, it started off before the finals even started that we that we as a sport were bumped for some jag-off NIT match. Um, so it just shows that way the, the world looks at us, and I think we need to take a big step back. And this match was proof pot, proof of what it is. We're going to start off with this match that's you know about as boring as uh, you know watching paint try would be as exciting as this snooze fest. 
Um, these are two phenomenal wrestlers. I would love to see him let it fly. Um, both of these guys, uh, I don't know, RBY, his freestyle prowess. Fix has a chance to be in the represent America uh, in the Olympics. Um, I don't know he if just he got will. a whole chance. chance he's got a much better chance. Much better. Um, but they wrestled yeah. within the rules. They aren't cheating. So I can't blame Fix for doing it now. Fix did cheat last year, but that's a whole different story. But they're not, they're not doing anything that's outside the rules to win these matches. But it's boring, and it hurts wrestling, and it hurts any casual fan to come in. And I don't like it, and I'm happy Fix was punished for it. Now, RBY got hit for stalling. Didn't he give up two stalling points or something like that? Like it was, it was, it was terrible. It was a terrible match, and I didn't enjoy it. And I do like these wrestlers too. And Fix was one who was one of those anytime, anywhere, you know, whoever it is, let's let's scrap. Did tons of tournaments that you thought was going to be the exciting wrestler, but he he's not. And he and he kind of sucked RBY into that too. And it was a shame to see. We'll go to one hundred and forty-one pounds. Um, as uh, the first of four Penn State finalists was Roman Bravo Young. And yeah, totally agree with you. Everything on that, Pat, is uh, looking back at these results, a lot of close matches. You think that they would be highly contested, really close matches, but it just felt like the um, the status quo was let's just slow it down, slow it down and get that last win, get get that last takedown, get that last mm-hmm. point. And that was imminent in a lot of our matches. And um Another guy I thought that was due for a national title was Penn State's Nick Lee. I really think he was just that outstanding of a wrestler and always fell short until uh, Saturday night when he beat it when when he beat Missouri transfer and Iowa Hawkeye Jaden Ironman four two in the finals. Um, Nick Lee is just got I guess dare I say disappointment in the finals because you got to give hats off to Jaden Ironman. He's one of those wrestlers is. Be careful because you can get caught in a cradle and the match is over. And that's what's going to be a little foreshadowing at 149 as well. But you're looking at Jaden Ironman. He is very, very, very dangerous with the cradle and dangerous of getting into those scrambles. And he's just a strong dude. And um, Lee, though, is just overall, I think, is just a phenomenal wrestler. He is technique sound, textbook type of wrestler, comes at you and showed that in the semifinals against Sebastian Rivera. We're a much closer match in, in the Big Tens, but Lee says, no, I am the number two seed for a reason, and he he was just having his way with everybody, getting a tech fall in the first round, a major decision in the seconds, getting another um, ma- major decision in the quarters, and the semis, a high decision, 9-3 win over Seabass. So in the finals, you think he'd pour it on a little bit more, but you got a guy named Jaden Ironman, who you just got to be cautious with. I think Lee was just a little too much cautious and was just pulling the same stuff that happened at 133 and at 149, dare dare I say, before we talk about that match. So, yeah, I totally agree with you, Pat. A lot of these matches were kind of boring. On paper, they looked like they were stellar matches, but Lee got the last, last takedown, and he was crowned the champ. Yeah, it their their Big Ten match was outstanding, and, and watching these two wrestle is a treat. Um Again, we knew it was going to be one of these three guys, whether Seabass was going to sneak in or but it was going to be Seabass, Lee, or Ironman, even though Seabass ended up getting fourth. Um, but, yeah, this match was terrible. Um, I, I really wanted to see it, 
that look at my dad called me and was like, is, is Iron Man injured? And I was like, no, this is just the way these guys wrestle in the championships. And in the Big Ten, I think it was one to two takedowns where Lee had two takedowns. But Iron Man was kind of savvy. I think he got a riding point and wrote him out at the end of a period. Um, but these guys, I love to watch wrestle. Very contrasting styles. Every high school, elite high school coach in the nation should be watching these two, whether you are kind of a, a prototypical, not quite Iowa style, but take down all that stuff as Lee is. And then ironically, Ironman is funky, you know, more that Ben Askren style and everything. And how are you going to go against it one way or the other? And, and how are you going to beat each of these guys? And it was a treat. I loved it. I, I studied the match a little bit. I like their Big Ten Championship match a lot more, but it was fun. I really hope we get to see these guys wrestle more. Um, I do hope they, they open it up. I mean, Elite likes to get in on legs, and Ironman likes to let you get in on legs. Um, so it was fun, and I was ready for fireworks. I was ready for back points, but wasn't happening. They just should have just fast-forwarded it to overtime and, and just let it fly. So someone that kind of surprised me at 141, which I thought was just a one-hit wonder in his national uh, tournament a couple of years ago, was Tariq Wilson. But he sure showed up. I mean, he was plagued with injuries in the past, and he comes in and has a great tournament, falls short against Ironman, that comes on, on the backside, and he actually ends up getting third. And it was the same type of Tariq Wilson we saw at the national tournament a couple of years ago, where he nearly beat Seth Gross and almost made it to the finals. And then he was plagued with in, plagued with injuries and probably had the match of the tournament a couple years ago in the blood round against John Ernesti of Missouri, where it was a high-scoring affair, and it went to overtime, but he came out as the loser in that match. Uh, we saw the old. We saw the old Tariq Wilson. He showed up, and he had some great wins, including a dominant 15-5 win over Sebastian Rivera. The medal matches are a different animal when it comes towards the NCAA D, uh, D1s. I really don't want to say these were the same type of medal matches we usually have in a normal season because like we said in our last episode, a lot of these guys had a lot of uh, gas left in the tank because it was such a truncated season. So a lot of these guys maybe can wrestle really tough even in their medal matches. In a normal year, your medal matches, everybody's hurt. You've got ankle problems. You've got, heck, probably one out of every four wrestler probably found out they tore their ACL. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, you shoulder problems, elbows. I mean, you are hurting to the max. And the and mental exhaustion as well. Absolutely. Where the these guys are like, exhaustion. let's just end this season, right? Especially those seventh, eighth place matches where it's like, yeah, hey, absolutely. we're all Americans. Let's let it fly yeah. and then grab a beer. You would see that in those long seasons, but this wasn't a long season. So you look at the medal matches and the guy that persevered the most through all that mental anguish, because when you look at the tournament to itself, Pat, it's a long tournament. Just ask yeah. Patrick McKee. Yeah. Matches. I mean, it's a long tournament. So you're probably thinking to itself, I'm done. And Rivera, I mean, just got owned in that third third place match. And yeah, and, and some had that edge. He had that mental edge to end it. Some of that, I think, because he had a relatively close match against the Illinois kid. Um, and you see a lot, the, what do they call it, the semi-slide. Because Seabass came back to win a national championship, right? That's what, that's what he came back for. Um, he could have been training for the Olympics like the other guys. And once you lose that match, and Lee stuck it to him, man. 
Um, and then I think you're just kind of exhausted physically and then above all is mentally. And then Wilson Vency State coming off a, a little embarrassing match against Ironman. Ironman stuck him and, and <laughs> was looking sharp. And Wilson let it fly. And he got paid off. Like, that's what you hope to see in these other championship matches. But he let it fly. Got some early back points. Um, put him on his back twice. And then kind of rode it to victory. Um, and it was fun to see. He was great. He looks like <laughs> he looks like the kid um, on JV that didn't make the basketball team. And then came out for wrestling. And, you know, it looked like his singlet didn't quite fit. And all that. And was just a stud. Like, was just cradling people up and doing all that stuff. Like, even if I saw him... Well, I'm coaching high school, but like, all right, you know, this guy's a long, lanky kid. This should, this shouldn't take too long, and was just, you know, looked great. Look, except, except against Ironman, but he, uh, he had a really good tournament. When you look at some of the, some of the greatest disappointments of this ter- tournament here, as we do our NCAA Division One Wrestling Championship recap here on Take It to the Mat with JP and Pat. He's Pat. I'm JP. If there was anybody that you would name that has the most upset power in their existence, you would go with Ian Parker. But boy, did he not show up. I mean, if you look at what he had to deal with, number seven seed, you don't take away the ambition of a 26 seed like Colin Valdivies. He's a scrappy Mm. wrestler. It wasn't like he just blew Ian Parker apart, but I just really think Ian Parker is just one of those firepower wrestlers. And uh, he may get the uh, Mikey Labriola inconsistency award because, I mean, when Ian Parker wrestles hard, he wrestles hard and he can upset some tough dudes. And then when he's off, he's off. And he picked the wrong time to be off. And Colin Valdivies, even though Valdivies, I think, went um, feet to back, he got that six-point move, but... Parker wasn't able to get back from that and 8-5 win for Valdivies. Okay, then, Ian Parker, tell me that that was a fluke. And you come on the backside and you win an OT, but then you go against Chad Red and you get beat 12-8. That's what sucks. When you drop that first match and you're a higher seed mm-hmm. dude and you're looking at someone else that's a higher seed guy and they drop a tight one against a nine seed when Chad Red lost to... Um, Dresden Simon of Central Michigan by a score of 6-3. Red now has to go down, and to save his ass, welcome, Ian Parker, an 8 versus 7 in the second round of the Wrestlebacks. Welcome to the Division I Wrestling Championships. That is asinine. 7 versus 8 to keep alive, and you got to even win a couple more matches to be an AA. So, I don't know. Ian Parker, to me, that was just kind of a disappointment and i'm sure that was a di- disappointment from a, a a lot of other people's eyes too yeah i agree with you. i even in the the previous podcast i think we both um called him out and thought that he was gonna have a really good tournament yeah running into chat red um on the wrestle backs is is a tough one we'll go to 149 pounds here we've gone through 30 25 33 and 41 we'll go to 149 and um one of the weights that we have a lot of guys showcasing some great stuff. Uh, this one pretty much went kind of straightforward with with the weight, but it probably this is the weight that probably has the biggest, most controversial uh, topic. And um, I mean, we don't want to spend too much time on this, Pat, but we again could have a huge podcast just based off Spencer Lee 
or just based off the three things that I talked about, no ACLs, no stopwatch, and Gable Stevenson. Definitely the the Paris and Stevenson uh, battle royale. We instantly could have just a podcast to itself with those three topics. But, um, I mean, it's it's something that we definitely cannot ignore. And uh, that will be our next topic that, that we'll talk about here on Take It to the Mount with JP and Pat is Josh Heil and Boo Lawallen were wrestling in the second round. Heil of Campbell, Lawallen of Oklahoma State. It is six to four going in to tiebreaker number one. Lawallen gets out to make it six five. We go to the. Well, I might be wrong with this. Oh, we were tied four four. That's what it was. We were tied four four. Heil gets that um, that. Re- Re- reversal to make it 5-5. Five, five. Yep. And then there was an escape 6-5 to make it um five. I don't I don't remember. I'm messing this take up here. The thing that matters the most is in tiebreaker 2 there were 7 seconds left and there was a 6-5 lead for Lawallen and we're on our feet. Heil leads. It's 7 seconds left. Heil just needs to back up cuz he doesn't have a stall call uh, against him. He does. He backs up should have been seven seconds. The clock doesn't start. Clock <laughs> error. They don't start the damn clock. I heard the ref. One thing about the this broadcast this year, even though they did not use Matt side broadcasters this year, you, when you were really close, when the ref got close to the main table, you could hear them. That was they one of my a, favorite things. You heard so much great coach talk. Yes, I love that. I really think they should implement that. They should really have a separate... Sp- they should have a separate stream that mics up the coaches, mics up the refs, and that would just be so entertaining. Can I j- just to put and and I don't I hate to take you off, but this was one of the things I want to talk. I loved it because these college coaches say the same stuff as the middle school coaches, like <laughs> keep them down, like <laughs> pace and all this stuff, and and do and all that, like he's stalling the same things out of every coaches, you know, like repertoire these guys are saying now they will say more technical stuff but i thought it was hilarious like listening to these coaches say the same stuff that middle school guys do but go ahead continue i digress it is it is really in interesting my time being a matt side brought a broadcaster for espn there are times that i really just want to take one of my my ear my my earmuffs off and just listen in to the corner and see what are you telling them mm-hmm. i really want i sometimes want that um just yeah, take my headset off and just listen in. But of course, I got a match to broadcast. Um, anyways, you heard the ref right when he came to review when they made that mistake. What I heard right away was the ref saying that was more than seven seconds. Just mm-hmm. run the clock off. Run, just run the clock off. That was more than seven seconds. That definitely should have been seven. So run the clock up. And the next thing you know, they go away from the mic and both refs discuss with their masks on, of course. So they go on and discuss. You can't hear anything. Next thing you know, they replay the seven seconds. And lo and behold, Lawallen goes ahead and gets a takedown and he wins 7-6. I don't know what to think about this. I mean, like I said, we can talk about this for the next 30 minutes. But just my small take about this is, I mean... God bless Tim Shields for what he had to do and to face the media and hats off to Quint Kesnick in the interview of asking those tough questions. I've met, I have met Quint 
Kesnick. He's definitely one of us. He's been doing the NCAA wrestling tournament for a very long time, and he's gotten to do a great job. He did a good job. I, not yeah. the, the rest of the staff, not so much. He did a very good job this tournament. Yeah. It's not his first rodeo, yeah, and he, he definitely knows. He definitely knows the right questions to ask, and he was, he was definitely grilling Tim Shields. Why not a stopwatch? And Tim Shields like, well, that's not circumstantial. Was, <laughs> oh my gosh, take your stopwatch out. It it was it was back and start the stopwatch, but that was it's hard. It sucks for the sport of wrestling. It was a complete. It was one of many embarrassments, but probably the biggest embarrassment. And and I, whatever. I've never met Tim Shields. Um, I I don't know anything about him except for you know, not really helping move the sport forward and having mediocre at best referees and having terrible refereeing. Um, during the tournament and mainly throughout the season. So maybe I do have a big problem with Tim Shields, but he looked like a bozo. Um, the balls on this guy to walk out there and say that we have no way of telling how much time had passed um, during a period is ridiculous. It happens all the time. It happens in college. It happens, it might have even happened in one of the national championship matches where they say, yeah, the, the clock didn't start or whatever it was. They kept it going through. So rewind it back. Every replay, they have to bring the clock back, right? So they do have a way of telling this. Um, it was ridiculous. It was embarrassing. Um, it was embarrassing that it went down that way and for them not to stop it, um, for him to say that they couldn't use a stopwatch was even more embarrassing. Um, I don't know what he could have said that would have came off good. I mean, he could have said it was referee error. Good on him for you know standing up for his guys because I don't think it was referee error. I think the referees were ready to roll the clock back. I think it's his moronic system that is implemented by him, right? He's the head of referees, is he not? Yes, he is. Yep. So He's it's his fault. He's the one that has to put his ass in the line, and it was an embarrassment. And I, I, I will never, rarely will call for somebody to, have, to be fired. I don't think that he should be fired. I think they should have a long, hard look at this tournament um, and probably Tim Shields' uh, work. Shields. Shields. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no D, Tim Shields. Tim Shields. Like, Both yeah. of them. Tim Shield and Tim Shield. Uh, <laughs> but maybe he needs an alter ego. Maybe he should change his name to Tim Shields. Be like, oh, yeah, that was some other guy that was making these terrible decisions. But I think they should take a long, hard yeah. look at his body of work because he has not done any favors for the sport of wrestling. Um, the, in that... freestyle wrestling, they tried to get rid of freestyle wrestling from the Olympics a few years ago. Um, they made adjustments. I think they should have done more, but they did a good job. Not a great job, but we're not in the business of good. We're in the business of great. They, collegiate wrestling has barely changed it all. They added a hands-to-the-face rule, which was stupid, and they essentially got rid of it the year later after it, it, it causing Spencer Lee a Big Ten championship and, and, and other people big matches. It was dumb. He doesn't do a good job, and this is the epitome of his stupidity as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's a take to itself right there. I mean, is anything that I said incorrect? Like, do you agree? Do you think that he has done a good job of of moving the sport of wrestling forward? The, the stalling is terrible. 
Um, they haven't changed any of the rules. So we're going to put everything on Tim's shoulders. I when think he, when you're at the head, you, there. He you, actually, you have a big deal with it. Like, that, who else Who else would we talk to about this? It's the responsibility of Tim Shields to put it into his his fellow officials' hands to do a great job. And they know the rules, and I really believe that it's something that Tim Shields gets a lot of rough about. And I do agree to an extent that he should be the, the one that gets the fault on a little bit of it, but the majority of it comes from the first tier of the of the actual ref doing the work. If we're going to be going right from the get-go, right from the very seed of this problem, is it was not the refs at all. It oh. was the scoreboard operator. But, oh, for this problem, but yes, the referees yes. were atrocious. But as far as stalling, as far as stalling, there are... I mean, Tim Shields has been one heck of a referee in the past. He has refed some of the biggest matches in NCAA wrestling history. He was a ref of his own for the longest time, and there's a reason why he is the head of officiating right now. But those are two different things, too, So, right? But right now, yes, true. So that is where he takes the blame, is when he's not even out there doing the refereeing right now. If I'm translating this pack correctly, I think that you are saying is Tim getting the blame because he should do a better job of of actually um, enforcing these stalling, enforcing this type of rule. But I think that he can only do so much because of him not having to go to every mat and overturning a poor call by a referee. Oh, no, no, no. That's I, I hate said, micromanagers. Oh, yes. What you said in the beginning, Pat, about the lack of like, good referees man i it's not my position to say that but if we were to look at this week yeah there are some tough maybe maybe it was maybe you can look at it this this year as this is the big tournament and half of these guys didn't even get any of their total amount of matches they referee in for the year i mean uh, it was a it was a short season um I, it's just not my place to see if we have horrible refs or good uh good refs have i been upset with refs before yes am i good friends with refs absolutely it's just frustrating it's frustrating when you're friends with them but it's also frustrating when you look at it and see how poorly managed it was and um yeah i agree with you as much as i'm trying to play both sides here just trying to keep peace in the village of course but um some of these things no, are unacceptable. It's, it's, Some of these things are unacceptable. It is very difficult to be a referee. It's very difficult to be a referee on a national stage. Um, and it, it's up to, I can only assume that Tim Shields is on the rules committee. Um, if anything, they need to be more consistent on calling stalling. Um, I think they need to change the rules, um, but they need to be more consistent. But the refereeing was... I wouldn't say atrocious, but it was very bad. It was very bad. Yeah, no, it was a horrible tournament to have everyone have their bad tur tournament. That was that was the truth. I mean, there's some referees out there that I'm I'm glad they're on this mat because they're just very mm -hmm. good referees. And then there's sometimes you see these refs that are like, you know what, man, why do you have D ones? I really think you should go down the D twos or D threes because mm -hmm. there's some D two refs and there's some D three refs that would do a better job than you right now. But uh, then again, I don't I don't wear wear the whistle and I don't have the stripes, so I really I mean, <laughs> I I really have to back away from that because I do have some referee division one referee friends on Facebook who I look to 
to uh, get questions answered and they all do a great job. And um, uh, so I have to back away. Were those referees refing this weekend? They were not. That's the thing. So well, some of these guys actually weren't refing, but and I will tell you that one of the referees associated with that match, um, I think you know and I know as well, and I don't think that it, it was his fault for what happened. Um, I don't think he was to blame. I think it does fall on Tim Shields. I think the referee on the mat that that I'm talking about did everything in his power to correct a terrible situation, um, and it was a terrible situation, but. It should have been remedied and should have been a nothing. But let's let's move forward. Let's go on to something positive. Um, way to go. North Carolina is now officially a wrestling school. They stink at basketball this year. They have a national champion. Way to go, Austin O'Connor. Um, yes, and, and go Tar Heels wrestling and not Tar Heels basketball. How about that? Let's leave it at that because this wasn't a very good match either. I really no, think. it wasn't. And and, and Sasso Gosh. had been wrestling close matches all year. He almost got beat yeah. in the quarterfinals and probably should have been beat in the quarterfinals. Didn't have a great tournament. It it felt like he was going to lose that match almost the entire time. And Austin O'Connor is a mentally tough guy. We bring it up all the time, but he's one of those those guys that's in the club that just kind of gritted out. And I just felt like he was going to win. Um, from the very beginning. I agree. Let's leave it at that. We could talk more about 49, but we're going to go ahead and continue here on the Take It to the Mat podcast with JP and Pat. He's Pat. I'm JP. Heading to 157. So far, we've talked about 125. Spencer Lee, victorious. 133. Roman Bravo, young. Penn State, 141. Nick Lee, Penn State, 149. We had Mr. Austin O'Connor, and now we've reached the halfway point at 157 pounds, where this one, I mean, this one was a good one, but I think it was the first one of the night where you knew that there was a guy that was just going to be the big favorite. I mean, the big favorite to win it all. I mean, because of Deacon falling by fall to Del Vecchia in the semis, and Del Vecchia's story, wow, what a story. That is a story. I think I was hearing that in the beginning, before the um, before the final started. I want to say he was um, out of wrestling, wanted to come back, and um, he wasn't looked at at all. He actually tried to walk on, and some people well, he wanted to he he well, he wanted a scholarship, and there are some schools that was like no. And then next thing you know, he goes to Ryder, and they're the only school that gives him a scholarship. And now he's in the finals. So uh, he has quite quite the story where it's mind over matter. Like, all right, you are going to feed, you are going to feed the monster inside right now. If you don't think I'm worthy of of it, fine, I'll go ahead and prove it. And he did. He did what was right. He did what was needed, and he made it to the finals. So David Carr. Now David Carr. Do I think he would have won in the finals against Deacon? No, I did not think he would have. Um, in the quarters, do I think he had any business of being that close to Brayton Lee? No, I really think Carr should have won a lot more. And it looked like he was much bigger than Brayton Lee, and Lee got a Granby roll at the end of regulation to send it into OT, but Lee had no business. He had no chance of getting to, to the legs of a, of a much uh, bigger David Carr. So then Carr makes it into the semis against Hayden Heidley. Um, 
Heidly, who took the semi-slump, of course, he just got completely torn apart in the semi-final wrestlebacks. Came, uh, he uh, was making a, um, a last-period surge against Ja'Cory Teamer, but uh, was down big early and couldn't overcome it. And Heidly lost 18-12 to to Teamer and then comes back and gets a win against uh, Brayton Lee for fifth. But when you're looking at David Carr going in the finals against Del Vecchia, I'm going to talk about the match first, then I'll talk about his interview. Yeah, so sounds good. At, yeah, so let's talk about the match first. I think it was just overall him controlling the match. Another yeah. short, another just overall kind of boring match. Knowing that if Del, Del, uh, if Del Vecchia is going to be your uh, Kyle Cannell of the tourney, um, he uh, falls short in the finals. Dare I say he was the um, Zeke Moisey of the tourney Ooh, is I like what you say that he's yeah. more of a Zeke Moisey of the tourney because Moisey, the one hit wonder um, pinning Thomas Gilman and falling in the finals to, to uh, Thomas Sello. But um, yeah, Del Vecchia pinning the number one seed Ryan Deacon and then follows himself in the finals and gets beat by a better wrestler. Yeah. But not much to say about the match itself. David Carr pretty much controlled it. Yeah. It wasn't too exciting of a match. I will say though close to Gable Stevenson, um, the celebration of the tournament was the Car Metcalf uh, celebration. I love that. That was great. I mean, even maybe just a little bit of vindication for Metcalf. Um, I do love um, Metcalf. He's one of my all-time favorites. He's a great person. The flow doc was wonderful. Um, always just loved his his grit and his style of wrestling and his kind of mildly dickish attitude. And for, for him to kind of have... A national championship under his wing and it felt like that was kind of their um uh, companionship like it was metcalf was the one that kind of helps car um cl- similar weights pretty close um so good on them i'm happy even though he's an iowa state guy i was happy david carr won i usually cheer for these iowa state guys when it's not a, a close tie with me um but yeah i mean Deacon has been wrestling close matches all year, and it finally caught up to him, which it does to a lot of these guys. Not everyone, but it caught up to him. Um, and Delavecchia, <laughs> a little bit of a quick pin. I mean, Deacon, they, they tried to fight as much as they could, but he was— Is he that was, what Andrew Howe was doing? Because Howe was over at that table a lot. Yeah. Trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And and the rider coach was kind of like— as. Once again, a great thing of why the mic is right by the head table is you heard Ryder's coach, get out of there, well, get from the table. It's so, it's so dumb. So, again, let me roast uh, Tim Shields a little bit more. So they they went back and looked at it on their own accord, called it a pin, and then Northwestern challenged the call. Like And the, and <laughs> the referee's like, what – we we just looked at it like we're we're talking on the phone to the same guy who's looking at the same clip. I'm sure that's not what he said, but it's like they can't do anything. Like why are we doing that? These the the, the challenges took way 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 too long, way too much time. And they've they've cleaned it up in football, and I get that we're still kind of getting used to it. But it's one of the many things that are are just ridiculous about this. But yeah, Deacon got pinned. You know, hats off to Delavecchia. Um, but yeah, I'm happy for David Carr and I think he's, how many, what, is he a sophomore or a junior? 
Yeah, well, doesn't matter this year because it's a free. Yeah, year. so he's going to come back. I think he's going to yeah. be forced to reckon with. He's going to be great. I think this is going to, you know, pump a little air into him and, and give him a little bit of confidence. And I think he's going to be, you know, a, a great wrestler and have a great future. So the thing that I wanted to talk about is his interview. Now, it necessarily wasn't the celebration that really perplexed me because that was, yeah, that was kind of a planned stage there and it was it was a a good tribute i suppose but the other tribute that he did in his interview did you catch it no i mean did i i saw him as the hype man for every penn state guy but no i I don't i don't think i know what you're talking about no what he did in the middle of his interview is he paid tribute to kyvin gadsen and i don't know if he tried to pay tribute or he tried to just steal it to himself but in the iconic interview with uh, Quint Kesnick when he beat Kyle Snyder in in the finals, what do you want to do right now? Or Kesnick said That's at right. the end, or what's on, on on your mind? And he says, all I want to do, I just want some ice cream. That's right. That's and then he right. leaves, and that's iconic to itself. And I've even yeah. talked to Ivan Gadsden about that. Yeah. And I do you get sick and tired of people bringing that part up? And he says, no, because I love ice cream. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, ice cream and then we, crew. And I then love we ice talked cream about ice cream. Exactly. So we talked about ice cream for the next five, five to ten minutes. What David Carr did was forceful. It was forced. It was forced. He wasn't even asked that question. It was in the middle of one of the questions, and he snuck in there and says, yeah, no, I don't really care because all I want is some gummy bears. Oh. <laughs> he threw that in there in the middle. It was forced. I thought it didn't even fit at all. I, it To me, it was kind of just kind of like, well – Okay, that's fine. But the the commentators at the end caught that, and they said, "Yeah, I would like some gummy bears too." Yeah, I like so it. Caught on to that, but yeah. yeah, it was kind of a paid tribute to Kyvan Gatz in the last Iowa State Cyclone to win a title. So he comes in there and wants to make sure he pays his tri- tri- tribute to probably a guy that um, has been a huge inspiration to him. Yeah, he's does he's I mean he's from Waterloo. Uh, not too far yeah. from where where we're at right now, um, is huge in the wrestling community here. He does tons of events, any kind of big tournament, kids tournament, whatever it is. Um, he's usually around either signing autograph. He's got a little bit of a merch table. And I know he tries to help out the wrestling community as much as he can. So that's great for him. Um, I like Kyvin Gadsden. Um, and, you know, David Carr's in that club too. I don't cheer for a lot of the uh, the Cyclones, but but he's one of them. Absolutely. Hats off to Dave, David Carr. Well deserved. Um, yeah, it's nothing. No, no shame at all from the interview, or no shame at all from the from from the celebration. I just caught on to that little tidbit about the. Gu- gu- uh, the I like gu- it. That's right a good pickup. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to pay tribute to a good man of uh, Kyvan Gatson, and uh, yeah, Carr sure showed up how great of a human being he is when he's celebrated for the rest of the people that won at the end too. Mm-hmm. So. That was kind of a cool thing, cool cool thing to say. Um, segwaying into 165, which is not a cool thing, is the is Stanford. It's not a cool thing. No. University shame Stanford. on them. Those yeah, nerds. shame on them. Uh, even the SID came on, and he even said, I mean, if you look on Twitter when he says that, congratulations to Shane Griffith. Uh, he went on to win a national title in the wrestling tournament this year. Uh, and then everyone came on there and said, shame on you guys. Shame on you for even coming on and saying something. Well, it, you guys obviously don't give a crap about them. 
It reminds me of when um, Jaden Cox won his national championship and the official SEC uh, Twitter handle said like something like SEC power, um, you know, go Tigers and congratulations, Jaden Cox. And they just got lit on fire. Like uh, you don't have wrestling. The SEC does not have a wrestling program. Like Jaden Cox won, Jane Cox won despite the SEC, like they're in the Big 12, like you had nothing to do with this. And the same here, shame on Stanford, you rich nerds, like you're everything that's wrong with sports. Um, and and yeah, I'm so happy for them for wearing the all black singlets, um, murdered out. I loved it. You know, some of them look pretty sharp in it too. But absolutely, e- even absolutely, even the, the fact that they took away the Twitter account from the head wrestling coach. Like, they did everything they could to shut them out. I mean, a crazy story. I mean, you can make a little mini documentary about them. Maybe Flo will do a little film. Like, they were wrestling outside. Like, they had to practice outside because the COVID restrictions were so strict in California. Um, so just a wild story. A lot of these guys weren't sure if they were going to wrestle. Um, tried to graduate really quickly. Um, and, and just not having a school that's behind you despite raising $12 million and keeping some jag off sports that no one really cares about except for rich snobs. Um, so shame on Stanford and good for Shane Griffith. Um, you know, I, Alex Marinelli is a great story. He will be coming back. He has announced it. You hate to see him lose, especially the way he did, breaking a rib. But if anyone's going to win, I'm glad it was him. Um, that's just Absolutely. a cool story. Boy, that eighth seed is a hot seed to have at 165, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it stinks that, that Marinelli went out the way he did, and it's just, what do you do? And I know he yeah. did get injured, and I'm sure that had something to do with it, but there's there's something there mentally. And and I'm, I'm going to do another lap on it because it was atrocious. Shane Griffith stalled his way from beginning to end. I just kissed his butt a little bit, so now I can trash him, right? Isn't that how it goes? He stalled his butt off. It was He was not wrestling in that match. He was not wrestling. I don't know how many shots he took. It was probably at least a five-to-one ratio, and even his takedown at the end was just a go-behind, again, probably after Marinelli had already broken a rib, but was just a quick go-behind. He stalled his way through, but he played within the rules and won by not cheating, so I can't be that upset. But it was it's a snooze fest. There's no reason to go back and see unless you want to try and figure out where exactly Marinelli broke his rib. But it's it's a terrible match. Yeah, no, it's uh it definitely Marinelli was turning on the offense a lot, but I just think Griffith did a great job of blocking the arms, blocking. He definitely tangled up the wrist control and um, really didn't get a chance to get his own offense going either and could have easily fired on a little bit more of his offense if he wanted to uh, 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 continue to make um, make amends with uh, of how great of a wrestler he is offensively. But, um, I mean, he definitely throughout this whole tournament really didn't show us that he was a very offensive wrestler. He just knew that he was very hard to score on mm-hmm. winning five, two, seven, five close, almost lost to Weber of North Dakota state and then three, one, and then nine, two and six, two. So, I mean, not scoring double, uh, double digits at all. And, um, 
on top of that, just was a really tough wrestler to score on. And, yeah. uh, but, and the national yeah. championship's a national championship, right? Like, right. He's, yeah. I mean, he's not gonna, no off. one's going to talk to him about that, you know? No. When he's an old man. And, he's just going to say, I'm a national champion. Right. So. He's going to go, he's, he's, he's going to go to his shelf and says, Hey, do you see this trophy I got here? Yeah. That's what matters the most. Um, hats off to Jake Wenzel. Probably the best Twitter post is, um, Wenzel. I almost got a little teary-eyed with that when um, Pitt Wrestling Twitter went on there and says, if we were the last uh, person to go against Stanford, it was an honor. And wow, mm-hmm. just talk about a brotherhood. Yep. Just talk about, like, boy, was a lot of moments in this tournament that we've talked about so far that just really make wrestling one of those things like, we can do better. Come on, guys. Yep. That right there is how we can do better. It's and why we, we love the sport, right? Women. Absolutely. It's That's the great epitome of it. That's what, we're, we're a family. All wrestling fans, everyone in wrestling, everyone you come up and talk to, you just meet, you can pretty much say wrestling is a family, and no one would say otherwise. And that, that was just clear, sheer class yep. from the University of Pitt. And I almost guarantee that Pittsburgh Wrestling Twitter got a ton more followers because of that. Good, good. Rightly so. Right, rightfully so. We could talk a heck of a lot more about 165, uh, but we'll um, we'll cut it there. Well, no, I got it. Just just quickly, one thing you pointed out to me, never seen before: the double injury forfeit on the backside yes. with um, yes, uh, Makai Lewis right. and then Marinelli. Never seen that before. And then uh, your your nephew, your son um, O'Toole, getting third place, looking sharp in that third place match. I didn't realize. So Askren Wrestling Academy had pretty good turnout um, with Keck Eyes, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. But they they look great. O'Toole's going to be forced to reckon with you. May uh, you may have just been a year early in crowning him. He's going he's going to win national championship down the line. Favorite win of his is when he just obliterates Valencia, the worst number two <laughs> seed in its whole tourney, the worst number two seed. Even though we yeah. can talk about one. 197 where he probably is the worst number two seed of this yeah, whole tourney yeah. was the number two seed at, at 197 but anthony valencia if there is one guy that does not adjust at all no no adjustments at all you see him is what you get you're gonna get slide buys you're gonna get heck he might even jump over your shoulders you're gonna get blast doubles and did i mention the slide by and the blast double. Yeah, that's just, about it. I mean, he just doesn't have much. He's just very good at it. Not, He's not quite it. the most mentally tough guy either. I mean, he didn't he beat Imar in a freestyle match four years oh my ago. Gosh. Coming then, out of high school, coming yeah. out of high school and in the college, takes hard. care of, yeah. takes care of Mark Hall. I think he took care of Mark Hall too. And yeah. the only guy that gave him fits at the national tournament was Chandler Rogers, but. Uh, but then he beat Tyler Caldwell as well. Yeah, so he, he's not slouch either. No, so uh, he's had his no- notable wins, but just it's not, in not hard to figure out. So yeah. we'll go to 174 pounds here on Take It to the Mat with JP and Pat. He's Pat, I'm JP. We're through six weights. We've got three, uh, we have. We are through, uh, yes, yeah, six weights. Yep. And now we are uh, have four more weights to talk about here at the NCAA Division I Wrestling Championships of 2021. So, I explain, I I will explain why. I may have been the only person that was not from Penn State that picked Star Achi to win in the finals. 
Uh, we did pick Kemmer, both, both of us, in our first show. Um, but when I saw the way Kemmer was wrestling and the way I saw Starachi wrestle, I really, I mean, you know what? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't have the, I didn't have the big enough balls to call Starachi as my champion when we picked him. I really wanted to, but I just didn't think I just didn't have the balls to do it. I wish I did. Cause I've said it in the beginning of the season. That I thought Starachi had a chance of being a national champion only because of how great of a wrestler he is, but he is a Penn state freshman. There are things about Penn state freshmen that you just cannot ignore. These guys out of nowhere, it's it's Penn State's epitome of reloading, where you look at these guys like um, Nick Lee and Roman Bravo Young, and you're like, oh, they finally win their national title. They'll be gone here in a couple of years. They're going to start flaking out now. No, they got another stud, and he's a national champion as a freshman in Carter Starachi. I just feel like Kemmerer, of how great of a wrestler he is, he has shown his flaws of beating a guy the first time, and then second time you see him, when it matters the most, losing to Mark Hall the second time, even though he beats them at the duel, and then loses to Mark Hall in the Big in the Big Ten Finals, and then beats Starachi in the Big Big Ten Finals, and now comes back again and just didn't have the firepower, didn't have the offense. Did Starachi really try a lot with his offense? Not a whole lot. No, it's just another overtime win, another takedown when it was needed, and that's why the 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 true freshman Starachi, I believe he's a true freshman. He might be a redshirt freshman, but he comes out and beats the old man Michael Kemmer. I feel for Kemmer big time, but it just feels like he wasn't firing on any cylinders in that finals match. Yeah, and it's I I thought Kemmer was going to win. He's looked great all season, top bottom, um, on his feet. He's looked great. Uh, Starachi's looked great too. We we both had him picked in the finals. We knew this is what it was going to be. Um, one of the few that, and then heavyweight coming up, we, you could just fast forward it till the end. Um, but he made adjustments. Um, and I get the whole match, um, last year was a bit of a fluke. He kind of got errant back points that, you know, he, let me, let me rag on some referees a little bit more. It didn't seem like the referee was vocalizing wait, that Kemmer was in wait, danger. Um, wait, in you, the, you haven't ragged on referees at all this whole podcast. <laughs> It's the first time for everything, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But that was a little bit of a fluke. But it would have been, you know, I wish we could have seen that match um, of Kemmer and Hall uh, last year. Thanks again, COVID. Um, chalk another one up to you, you creep. But, yeah, this was a boring match. I hate to see it for Kemmer. I think he's going to be done. He kind of insinuated that he was going to be done um, at the beginning of the year. This would be his seventh year in college if he does come back. Um, and I think just about everybody on the Iowa team has said that they're coming back, except for him and Caleb Young. And Young might not even have a varsity spot next year with Patrick Kennedy behind him, I believe. Or no, Patrick Kennedy would be, take over Kemmer's spot. But that's yet to be determined. I hope he comes back. I really enjoy Kemmer. He is he is a lot of fun to watch. He's slick. He's tough. Um, he's, like I said, great on top, great on bottom. But yeah, Strachi made the the adjustments and won the match. I don't take it away from him, but another snooze fest. Yeah, no, there wasn't many exciting matches here in the in the, in the finals. No. I mean, at one hundred and seventy four pounds, Carter Starachi, uh, at this time, I believe this was number three. 
for the Penn State Nittany Lions, the third of four possible champions as we go to 184 pounds. Yeah, let's start out talking about Parker Kekheisen. He is the highest uh, place winner for any freshman in University of Northern Iowa history since 1952. Uh he is going to be a force to be reckoned with going forward. He already is, yeah. and he's definitely going to be making some noise. I know that uh, Coach Roper definitely loves what he sees there, and um, he's uh, definitely going to be seeing uh, some great matches from his 184-pounder, uh, Parker Kekheisen, going forward. And he's fun to watch, too, right? He, he is, is fearless. Just... Like he was, he was up by one with... 40 or 30 some seconds left and gets in on a leg on, was it Poznanski, Poznanski, whatever, yeah. shoots on him. And I love that. That's what I used to coach. At. It was like, be offensive, get in on a leg. You can stall the crap out of it. Like if you're, you know, if you're up by a point, get in on a leg and fight from there, make them, you know, be, be defensive. Um, and, and he did it at, in the biggest stage of his career thus far, I would argue. Right. Um, again, an absolute wrestling academy kid, um, and gave big ups to his coaches too. Um, so, so good on him, man. I'm, I'm excited. He's going to have a great career. Got four more years. It was one thing I thought, like, I think Parker likes to create separation and not really go with the tie. But then looking back at his bowling match, he was so offensive the whole way through at the end of the third into overtime had his way. It really reminded me of his match. Uh, at Oklahoma against Oklahoma State this year against Dakota Gear, oh, he just kept on filing, uh, firing on all cylinders, mm-hmm. kept on going, kept on pushing. So I figured out, like, no, he actually does like the tie. He likes working from the tie. He likes working from um, close uh, vicinities. But boy, did Aaron Brooks just give him fits. Brooks just he put on a collar yeah. tie on the right side, control on the wrist. Got his takedown, but he was getting close with him. He was just getting up in his grill and not making it easy for Kekheisen to get to any of his attacks. And that's why Brooks just looked like the aggressor, just pushing at him, pushing at him. And then Kekheisen started taking horrible shots, and it made it easy for Brooks to get around and get his points. But um, And then, then again, another boring match in, in the final 3-2 match uh, against Trent Heidley. A uh, bunch of naysayers out there bunch of naysayers for Trent Hiley saying like number two seed we haven't seen him do anything since the RTC Cup and that seems eons ago um, but he showed up and he had some close matches definitely close matches the whole way through up into the quarters um, first two matches he had two tech falls but again gets in the quarters and picks up a couple close decisions before he loses a close one in the finals to Aaron Brooks as Penn State caps off four for four in the finals um any thoughts on the finals match again between Hydley and Brooks? No, I mean I yeah, was about to just, fall asleep during it. You know, had to had to drink a Red Bull to make sure I'd stay up for the next two matches. No, it was boring. Brooks kind of, I don't know. I felt like he was gonna. As much as I want Kick Eisen to win, it felt like Brooks's tournament to lose. He's looked great. He's looked great in freestyle too. Um, but yeah, he's he's just looking sharp and. Wasn't all that exciting, but yeah, happy to see the the Panther train still running at a uh, 184 for three years in a row. Um, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, three straight 184 pounders. Um, one that was, one that could have been, and one that is, and that's just how 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 it works. Yeah. 
So hats off to what uh, Schwab and company are doing there at the University of Northern Iowa. They definitely got themselves a great wrestler at 184 in the Wisconsin native Parker Kekheisen. Uh, we'll go to 197 pounds here. Uh, so before we address the 197-pound champion, I can't say it enough, Pat, and we did not say it enough. This weight was freaking ballistic. I mean, it's just so many packed wrestlers. And you look at the you look at the quarters, one, eight, five, four, three, six, but then you got twenty-six and fifteen. You have a twenty-six seed versus a fifteen seed in the quarters. Yeah. Yeah. And Jake Woodley would go on to get sixth, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is seeds were garbage at this weight. Yeah. So, were absolutely garbage. Well, it had, yeah. We we yeah. said this was up in the air all season. We knew it was going to be that way. Though we we did say someone from the top twelve could win it easily, just about any of these guys. And you know, Elam could have won. Miles Amin probably could have won too. Um, absolutely. I he, mean, you're looking at all kinds of other guys here that could have won it. Yeah, but ultimately, AJ Ferrari had a hell of a tournament. Wrestled really well. Wrestled very smart against Miles Amin. Um, he's no slouch, uh, and and does AJ Ferrari become a five timer? Wow, isn't that a story to itself right there? I don't know, man. All we know right now is he's in the six hundred sixty five pound squat club. <laughs> I love. Does he I say love squat, it. not squat, deadlift, deadlift, deadlift. Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't no, squat six sixty five. No, I I I was not a big fan of his shenanigans before the tournament. And the more, and I don't think I'm alone in this sentiment, the more he kind of, you know, was broing it out and just kind of was himself, he just became endearing. Like, I kind of liked it. Like, even his goofy, even when he's flexing, he kind of looks like a little bit of a gomer. Like, he doesn't know how to smile correctly when he's flexing and just was a goof. And I just, the more he did it, the more the more it endeared him to me. And I think he's going to have a great career. And I, you know, him and the next weight we're going to talk about the are, are going to be great in the WWE. And I will have tickets for when they wrestle um, in WrestleMania, you know, five years from now. When we're looking at anybody else at this weight, we cannot go without saying, of course, me being coined as the Tiger King. I have been saying nothing about any <laughs> of the Missouri Tigers except my boy Keegan o o O'Toole, of course. Brock Mahler had a great tournament. Peyton yeah. Mako, uh really didn't finish strong, but uh, he had some good matches. Holy crap, Rocky Elam. Rocky Elam loses the first round. No one would have thought this would have been a first round match with Jake Woodley and Rocky. Yeah. Uh, 26 and a seven, but um, Woodley's not a 26 seed. Anyone no. that's a sport is like, this should have been a, this should have been a semifinal wrestle back match by any means. It should have been a quarters match, but um, Rocky Elam loses four, one. He comes in the backside first round backside, 16, six over Brian McLaughlin four, three over Noah Adams. 12-3 over Eric Schultz, 9-1 over Cordell Norfleet, 5-0 over Michael Beard, and loses in double overtime to Miles Amin. My goodness, Rocky Elam. Then comes back and avenges his loss against Woodley for seventh place. Yeah. Then he comes back and wins 9-3. Rocky Elam, ladies and gentlemen. 
that, that and that Amin match was a war. That was a lot of fun. Those guys were going at it, and and Amin, <laughs> when you look at his face, that stuff happened during that Elam match. Like he's got a little a little uh, golf ball tucked underneath his right orbital socket. Um, those guys were letting it fly. That was a ton of fun. Um, yeah, good tournament. And and for the most part, I don't know how they finished in the team race, but yeah, Missouri did pretty good. Um, not great, but but pretty good. Yeah, they definitely have a future with a lot of these guys. But that's one guy you just cannot go without giving a hats off to yeah. is Mr. Rocky Elam. My goodness. Yeah, only if his girlfriend was named Adrian, it would just be so much better sport. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're leaving a lot out of every weight here. We could be talking a heck of a lot more on each weight, but uh, keeping it short to the 285 guys, as we head to our final weight here in our NCAA Division One Wrestling Championship recap here on uh, the Take It to the Mat podcast with JP and Pat. He's Pat. I'm JP. We've reached the heavyweights. And, um, yeah, uh, thoughts? I'm just going to leave it to you, Pat, because I know how much you're going to love talking about, about this weight. How no, did I picked Paris, but, I mean, it's not the most exciting podcasting if we all just pick the number two best wrestler. Okay. But it's, sure. but it's I, I I think there is a bit of a rivalry there. I wish that speaking of rivalries with Stevenson, um, I wish he wouldn't have brought it out with AJ Ferrari afterwards and saying I was just all fun and jest. No, keep that heat going. I mean, even if you know you, it's just between us dumb dumb fans. Keep that heat going. Keep talking trash. I like it. You you guys are the the class of the upperweight, so keep it going. Um, as soon as Paris dove in um, on that first errant takedown, I knew it was over. He had to keep it close and hope for a ride out in the second period. That was really his only chance. Um, the seeds in this were garbage. Uh, I think everybody knew that. Cassiope, how he did not get the number three seed is insane, but everything figured itself out. I mean, I don't think it made that much um, of a change in the in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Hilger had a bit of a redemption. Um, Gremmel had a great tournament, but Hilger came back and, and wrestled pretty well, and he has not looked good this season. Um, but put it together at the end when it does matter. Um, Kirkfleet looked really good, too, from Penn State. He's just going to get better and better. I think he had some injuries last year and, and is going to be another <laughs> another um, great Penn State, Penn State wrestler. But yeah, Gable Stevenson looked good. As much as David Carr had the best celebration, was right behind. Gable Stevenson's celebration was right behind. Doing a round-off backflip, whatever the heck it was, at, at his weight is insane. The guy's That's a freak. 260 pounds. He's a freak athlete. That's wow. Thank God he chose wrestling. Uh, he could be an NFL prospect a la maybe he'll try. Um, I think, ironically, Brock Lesnar... Who, who wrestled at his is from Minnesota, kind of laid the groundwork and probably was in his ear. We've seen the picture on Instagram of those two wrestling together and probably said, hey, bud, football is not the way to go. Not only is it take a toll on your body, you get paid way more in the WWF. It's fun. You know, take a couple of acting classes and, and it's a blast. You're on the road. You live like a rock star and a professional football player. And I think that's what Gable Stevenson is going to do. And Keep it coming. I hope he gets a little bit more heat. I like his antics. Not everybody does. Um, I like when he's a bit of a jerk. I think it's good for the sport. I think we need more personality. Unlike football, who has to wear helmets, we're like basketball, and we get to see your face. So sell yourself. 
get out there, you know, talk a little trash, make these wrestling matches entertaining. I wish, you know, Gable jumped on uh, Mason Paris a little bit and kind of talked a little bit jive and, you know, hopefully we'll see at the Olympics if you can make it there and all this stuff, but it was good. Mason Paris is a stud. He just has the unfortunate uh, luck of being um, wrestling at the same time Gable is. And they're similar styles. It's just <laughs> Gable is better. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, I knew he kept it closer and he cleaned up his act a little bit because knowing that how much of a dominant win was in the Big Ten ch- championships. But um, I just, I took this, I... I really looked into the question though, and Pat, you weren't the only person that asked me. He says he has to change his game. He has to yeah. change his game plan. Paris does. How? I mean, how was he going to change his game plan? And it once again, you knew it was just not going to be a great match for Paris when he goes ahead and goes in on that first shot. Yes. And it, as soon as no he did it, even in. though he wasn't taken down, it was like this is over, man. They didn't. They didn't do their homework. Um. Yeah, Gable Stevenson walking through the tournament, essentially uh, some close matches. Uh, Kirk Fleet was the only guy that took him down, even though it was in garbage time at yeah. the end of the match, but it was a slick takedown. Definitely a slick takedown. Uh, Colton Schultz is strong. My goodness, Cassiope had him up in a single leg and brought him down to his back, and Schultz, he essentially had a chest wrap and turned Cassiope literally 360 around he literally was on his ass and he gut wrenches cassiope and brings him right back up and it was just like wow this guy is strong but i agree with you with um cassiope having he should have been the number three seed but that's what the problem with the seeds this year is they honored and they rewarded those that won their championships in not the best and not the packed conferences. Yeah, so and, and Schultz, the champion, was four, and Stencil, the champion, the MAC, was number three. Yeah, and I get why. I get it, especially without these, you know, extra tournaments and opens and stuff like that. But I think everyone kind of knew. Again, it's Gable, big space, Paris, big space, Cassiope, huge space, and then everybody else. Like, it's those three yeah. out on an island. Um, and that all... You know, in different years, you could see them all be national champions, you know. But again, this the heavyweight is stacked, and Gable Stevenson is is an all-timer. Um, he's he's a stud. He's undeniably great. He is. And it's fun watching the, the master blaster bromance between him and Spencer Lee. Clearly, greatness respects greatness. And if you see Spencer Lee tweeted out something about, you know, winning a national championship, the first comment with the most likes is Gable Stevenson calling him the GOAT. Like, I I love that. I wish Gable would have gone to Iowa. I think it was, but I don't think he was ever coming to Iowa. Um, I think he was Minnesota all the way. And and good for him. They've got a ton of great heavyweights, but he is fun to watch. And and seeing him and Spencer Lee, you know, the beginning and the end, the, the, the bookends of this tournament, um, and as far as weight's concerned, seeing these greats, wrestle at this time it is just a lot of fun and i'm happy that we got to see it, it despite all my gripes for this tournament and uh, if there is anything i'm going to pick a bone about one more time is that we didn't see a gold singlet from uh gable stevenson um the ritual of minnesota is uh, when you make it to the finals you wear your gold singlet so as a minnesota gopher fan i was a little 
sad not to see that because the last time you ever saw a gopher wear a gold singlet was Brett Farr and Ethan Lezak last time they were in St. Louis. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. So, <laughs> Stevenson, you got your national championship, John, with Gable Stevenson. So I'm happy that the Gophers got their national champion, but it would have been cool to see it in a gold singlet. But like I said, I digress. So uh, closing thoughts. Yeah, I love the national tournament so much. Um, this is, it's fun no matter what, but this was very eye-opening to me. Um, the, it left a bitter taste in my mouth for a lot of things. The coverage was not very good. Um, the commentary wasn't very good. The refereeing was, was atrocious at times and not good in some of its better moments. Um, the It looked boring. A lot of these high marquee matches seem pretty boring. Um, I, there, there needs to be rule changes, and, and I'll bring it back. If you need to know where we are at as a sport, you need to look no further than the national championships getting bumped for an NIT basketball game. Um, we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves as a wrestling community and figure out what we need to do, whether it's having a professional wrestling league or or something but and rule changes or all of the above to make it more interesting and not just to the casual fan but to me who's a diehard wrestling fan but we need to do a lot of changes now having said that i love wrestling and i love national championships and i will i will always watch it but we can do better and we need to do better as a sport absolutely now that's yeah without a question it's great that we had this tur tournament, but um, I mean, we were just thirsty. We are thirsty and hungry to see a national tournament after getting it taken away from us within 24 hours of D3s and D2s that being taken taken away. And we knew that uh, the D1s were coming next and we were just all hurt by it. And now we're happy to get a tournament come back. And then at the end of the tournament, we're kind of like, man, it's great to have the tournament back, but we're better than this. And there are so many things that could have been better, but we crowned 10 champions. Iowa Hawkeyes got their first champion, um, that first team championship trophy since 2010. And boy, they're looking good for the future. Possibly if they're getting those guys back, but watch out for Penn state. So we'll definitely talk more about that later. Our next podcast, talk about the last chance qualifier. And we're talking about the Olympic trials coming up, coming at you here in a couple weeks in Fort Worth, Texas. So, that will do it for the NCAA Division I Wrestling Championship recap on with Pat and myself, JP. You've been listening to Take It to the Mat with JP and Pat. Have a good night.